Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Down the road from Woodstock, a revolution blossomed in a summer camp in 1971 for teenagers with disabilities, transforming their lives into a movement across the USA. Joining us on the line now, Nicole Noonan, the co-director and Emmy Award-winning director of Crip Camp, as well as Jim Lebrecht, the co-director of Crip Camp. Uh, welcome to you both to Weekend Morning. So happy to have you on the line to talk about this amazing documentary. Well, thank you. Thanks for having Great us. Here. You know, it just came out on Netflix uh, within the last month or so. And uh, Jim, why don't we start with you? Because since you were actually one of the campers there in 1971, what was that, uh, what was that camp like? Uh, if you can explain it to our listeners who may not have seen the documentary yet. Well, Camp Jeanette was this camp for people with disabilities, teenagers, young adults. They even had an adult camp. But it was a real product of the time. I was there in 1971 for a few years, and basically the camp was run by hippies. And there was a very, very kind of loose, free-form feeling about the place. I had gone to other summer camps for people with disabilities before that, and they were very infantilizing. And this camp, their whole kind of concept was to just let us be kids, let us be teenagers, let us have a really great summer. And I think, you know, it's just really a product of that that time where, you know, there was, you know, the summer of love in 67, you know, free love and really breaking down all of the status quo and reimagining a better world. And that's truly what uh, myself and other campers experienced there. We're speaking with Jim Lebrecht and Nicole Newman, the co-directors of the fantastic Netflix documentary Crip Camp. I mean, Jim, first, I mean, I was watching this documentary. and When it started, I just assumed it was mostly going to be about the, docu- about the camp itself, the summer camp. I had literally no idea that this camp played such a pivotal role in shaping a whole generation of social activists. What role do you think the camp played in doing that? Well, I think that the camp was definitely a, a major kind of breeding ground for people that went on to become activists. Certainly wasn't the only place, but um, that was a place where I met Judy Human, And Judy is a real central figure uh, in our film. And Judy went on to be really one of the absolute foremost leaders in the independent living and disability rights movement. And so um, certainly by meeting Judy, and uh, really talking to her about the possibilities of actually changing laws, actually suing and, and getting our rights, that it was very, very infectious. And she really kind of, she was kind of the Pied Piper for a lot of us. Uh, Nicole uh, Newham, how did you come to this project? It is such a, an amazing story to tell. What, what first drew you into this uh, project with Jim? Well, uh, Jim and I have been colleagues for a long time. I've been a, a documentary uh, film director for 25 years, and Jim had been the sound designer and mixer um, on my three previous films. And over time, we started having conversations about the stories that Jim wasn't seeing in documentaries and wasn't seeing in the media. You know, too, too often the sort of stories that are told around people with disabilities are the sort of inspiration porn, as they call it, kind of story, or... <laughs> of somebody overcoming huge obstacles, you know, or uh, really it's like tragedy. Like it's 
how terrible it is um, to be disabled. And so um, he pitched me a few ideas around disability that were kind of serious and engaging. But at the end of this lunch we had, um, he said, you know, but what I've really always wanted to see is a film made about my summer camp. And then the description of Jeanette, the the joy, the fun, the, you know, quite honestly, like the sex and drugs and rock and roll, the whole full-on spirit of the 70s as being as being something that, that um, these teenagers were suddenly able to engage with in the way that other teenagers were. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Jim having this um, theory that that spirit of liberation was connected to the movement that came really grabbed my attention. And then I started reading about the... Um, the takeover of this federal building in 1977 and the fact that Judy, who was a counselor at the camp was the, the leader of this like, you know, 26 day takeover of a federal building, which is still to date the longest takeover of a federal building in U S history. And then that laid the groundwork for the ADA, which really changed the entire world. It was very exciting to think as a filmmaker, how could you draw a line from this ramshackle little hippie summer camp all the way to something that changed the world for everyone? You know, watching this, um, and and Jim, you would know this well since you were there at the camp, but it was all being filmed by a a local production company, from what I understand. So the amount of of visuals and and film that's available from 1971 from the camp and then obviously from the sit-in at the federal building. I mean, from a storyteller's perspective, from a director's perspective, this was gold, wasn't it, uh, Nicole? Oh, my goodness, yes. And it took us a long time to track it down. Jim had this memory that this radical video coalition had visited the camp and done some filming. And not only that, they had strapped their early video port-a-pack to the back of his wheelchair and handed him the camera. And he said, I shot a tour of the camp. And at that point, I was in love with the story. And Jim and I were talking about all these different ideas about how could we recreate the camp? How could you you not be in love with the story knowing that there were visuals like that, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, but but we hadn't hadn't found them. And so basically, we did a ton of online sleuthing, um, internet searching and um, looking and looking and looking. And, and we eventually um, found this little ad in the back of an early video maker magazine from the 1970s. And the ad said, Crowds Outbreak at Camp Jeanette for the Handicapped. <laughs> because, um, as you know from watching the film, there was a small outbreak of the crabs one summer. And the, these guys had made a little short piece about that. And they had put it in, uh, in on Manhattan cable television. And so oh. then we knew the name of the group, and we were able to track them down. And they had... Five and a half hours of footage, and it had survived all these years and 17 moves and all these basements, and they were in in the middle of digitizing it. And then we just got this miraculous hard drive, which really took us back in time and showed us the kids as they were coming into their own and finding their power and finding their voice. It was really a magical day that we spent sitting there and watching that footage. Wow. Well, you've both touched on a, on a wonderful point that I wanted to bring up with Jim. I think you alluded to it earlier where, you know, so often folks with special needs and disabilities are not portrayed as just regular people. And I'll be honest, my own probably prejudice came in. When the documentary started, my cynicism was, there's going to be a dark side here. Are they going to be abused at the camp? Because that's often the kind of inspirational porn, as Nicole mentioned, that you often see on these documentaries. There's got to be some dark cloud here. But it was just teenagers hanging out, getting drunk, 
having sexual relations, catching crabs. You know, it was regular teenagers. They weren't guys in wheelchairs. They weren't guys with polio or cerebral palsy. That wasn't their point of identity. The point of identity were they were just regular teenagers with regular teenage crushes. And it was certainly the first time I had seen guys with special needs portrayed in that way. Was that important to you, Jim? Well, I think that Nicole and I had one overriding goal for our film, and it was a rather lofty goal, which was this hope that we could reframe what it means to be disabled, both for people with disabilities and those from outside of our community. And, and, and so, you know, seeing the joy of the camp and seeing kind of how ruckus and although we were always safe, a little bit out of control in places, really dispels a lot of myths that people have around people with disabilities, that we're not like others or like that we're asexual. Uh, au contraire, I was a raging 15-year-old in the footage of this film. And so if you want to talk about dispelling uh, you know, myths around disability at Crip Camp, really goes a, a long, long way, bringing people inside the community in a way that, as far as I can tell, no one has ever been before. You know, one thing that struck me was, uh, kind of playing off what Neil just said, was the, the human, the humanity of this and the amazing, uh, you know, bull sessions that you guys had, especially that one sitting around a table where the, the one girl with cerebral palsy spoke quite at length and nobody could really understand her. And, and then the one guy... Uh, I spoke up and said, I think, I think I understood her and what she was saying was, and he went on to explain it. Um, but that session, you know, kids just talking about how they were, you know, their parents were loving but overbearing and not letting them take chances. And, and then to fast forward and to have those, some of those very same campers, um, you know, interviewed now. And, and I love that one segment about uh, where there was the discussion about how the, the ranking, you know, if you're, if you're handicapped, you want to be a polio, like polio is at the top and CP is at the bottom. <laughs> and it, I mean, it just, it just blew me away. Some of the stuff I was laughing, you know, alternately laughing and crying during this whole, uh, during this whole documentary. <laughs> It was it was just mind blowing to me. And uh, Jim, you know, obviously this is you've grown up with this. You had spine spine bifida as a as a kid, and uh, and that's been your story, your journey. But are you surprised at the response that you're getting from people that that don't have disabilities or people that do have disabilities after watching this? Well, you know, the responses to our film have been varied. There are my gosh, I heard from one person online who got a hold of me via Facebook, and he wrote to me to say, after seeing Crip Camp for the, and he, this is a gentleman with a disability, he said, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm knowable. Mm. And, and I just, I, I'll admit, I, I kind of started crying yeah. Yeah. when I read that. And, um, and so what, you know, even early on in our test screenings that we were doing in Berkeley, you know, there was one guy that said, you know, at this beginning of all this, I didn't, no, I can relate to these people. I really wasn't sure. And he said at the end, my gosh, these people are my homies. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think that that's the experience that we are seeing. Neil and Denise, uh, we, we had a, a wonderful funder that helped bring out uh, most of the cast members uh, from the film out to Berkeley. I mean, out to the Sundance for the premiere. Mm. There we were all on stage, which was stunning uh, beyond anything else. But Neil and Denise, they are. Uh, they went out for some mochas, and 
people were running across the street to get selfies with him. People <laughs> were people were engaging in conversations, and um, I mean, they're wonderful people, and they're really fortunate they got the opportunity. Those people, but you know, people are often worried about engaging with somebody with a disability because they're not sure whether um, they're going to say something or do something wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking. And I think our film is really opening up doors for people. No, I, I can completely see why. We're chatting with the directors of the outstanding Crypt Camp, which is now showing on Netflix. And I wanted to ask you, Nicole, I can't avoid the fact that in the list of credits, you have a couple of executive producers, a certain Barack Obama and a Michelle Obama. <laughs> wonder whatever happened to those guys. <laughs> I'm just curious to know how that came about, how that conversation went. Was there ever a meeting with those guys? Did they see the documentary first? Were they involved from the... Uh, initial stages. How did you get the Obamas involved? I think that Jim and I are still struggling to believe that that's real, you know, <laughs> even though it's been over a year since that happened. But, um, you know, we were, we were uh, pretty early on in the editing process, and we had cut together what we were calling the killer trailer. It was a, a trailer that showed, you know, Jim as a kid and some of the camp footage and gave a sense of the um, what we hoped would be the arc of the film. And we had raised some money, but we still needed more. And we needed a broadcast partner. And we were talking with several entities, including Netflix. And um, and our executive producer, who's a wonderful um, producer named Howard Gertler, uh, read about Higher Ground being formed and that they had just hired this amazing woman named Priya Swaminathan um, to run it. And so we were able, through a sales agent, to get that killer trailer to Priya. And she um, loved it and called us and said, you know, I don't exactly know what's going on, but I watched that thing and I just keep wanting to watch it. There's something really special there. And so she asked if she could fly up to Berkeley and sit with us in our edit room. And we, you know, talked for hours. Um, And she said something that made us realize that what the Obamas were hoping to do with the stories that they were supporting and, um, and, and our goal for our film was kind of the same thing. She said, we think you have a culture changing project. And Jim wrote that down and put it up on the wall of the edit room where where it still is. And we were so hopeful that we would get to work with them. And right after that meeting, Priya called and said, you know, we want to partner with you and roll up our sleeves and make this film with you. And the president and Mrs. Obama feel the same way. Um, and uh, indeed, they like they watched um, several cuts of the film and, and gave feedback and, um, and really were, you know, their company really was a, a full on producing partner with us. And it was an incredible experience. And Nicole, this is just amazing. There, you know, there are so many things that I, that I, I want to ask you too about and talk about. And we, we, unfortunately, our time is limited. I think the best thing I can say is everybody needs to watch this. Um, you know, if at first glance you think, oh, a film about disabled people, uh, not so interested, you are absolutely thinking the wrong way because this on so many levels from a historical perspective and a human perspective is, is such an important film. I hope it continues to do well uh, with all of the festivals and, and all the public recognition because it is, uh, it is so necessary for people to see this. And if I can just add to that, I mean... The part that made me the most emotional, especially now with what's going on in the world right now, was when you was just having that simple ball game at the camp. You saw African-Americans there. You saw people with special needs there. You saw, I assume, uh, LGBT folks there. Different communities, often persecuted communities, all together, all equal, in the same place. I'm not going to lie. It made me cry. It was like a little slice of utopia 
that we need more than ever right now, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I for some, some way I didn't want to ever finish the film because mm-hmm. I loved going back into the footage and being back at Camp Jeanette. And indeed, for not only the campers but the people that worked there, it really was, a as Lionel, one of our counselors from the Deep South says, really was a bubble of freedom for so many of us. Nicole, uh, I'll give you the last word, Nicole. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think it, it, you know, what you say about that message being so resonant in this time is really true. I think what you can learn from the community and the story of the film is the power of just believing other people when they tell you what their experience is and respecting that their experience is different than yours, but equally valid and respecting that everybody has something to contribute. And you saw that in the sit-in when all these different groups came together, mm-hmm. you know, to create a better world. And I feel like that's the lesson that we can learn from the disability community. And it's something that's really important for us to remember right now in the midst of this, you know, global crisis, um, that the way we're going to get out of it is by um, helping each other and supporting each other and, um, and, and figuring it out together. Well, thank you to Nicole Newham, uh, the co-director, along with Jim Lebrecht of Crip Camp, the Netflix uh, documentary that's on right now. Uh, our, our sincere thanks to you for not only being with us uh, on the show today, but for making this amazing, amazing film. Thank you. Well, I really hope thank that everybody you. over in your neck of the woods stays safe. Absolutely. And thank you, Nicole. Thank you, too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.